Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. Good morning, everyone. Again, I'm happy to be here um, another Sunday at the same hour with all of you, worshiping our King Jesus. Um, I want to start asking you, how is, how is everyone doing? So good, good. Yeah, it is a little bit chilly. The temperature has dropped. I'm cold. My hands are so cold right now. Um, but we're good, we're good. Um, I'm happy to be back on the stage and I'm very thankful with God that he's giving me this opportunity to preach and in front of you. So, yeah, my hope for the day is that all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens uh, will come to him because he will give you rest. That you will take his yoke upon you and learn from him, for he is gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For his walk is easy and his burden is light, and I will urge you to put your trust in him and receive the gift of life that he only offers. Today, we're going to continue our series in the book of Matthew. You have it up there. Uh, We are going to be in chapter 21, but we're going to start from verse 23. Um, If you don't have a Bible and you want to have a Bible so you can follow along, at the back there is a connect table. Ini talked about it before. You can go and grab a Bible from there. They're for free. We have in English and French. I'm still waiting for the Spanish ones, but we haven't put them up. Um, so please feel free and go and take one. Uh, but if you don't want to go and take a physical one, you're more of like a tech person, you can definitely pull out your phone or any other device and put and just follow along with any Bible app of preference that you have. Uh, now, if you don't want to use neither of them, uh, the projector is going to have all the passages, so you can just continue. You can follow along with me. Uh, everything will be there. Uh, before I continue the sermon, uh, we're, I'm just going to start us with a word of prayer. So we're going to just bow our heads. Um, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the morning. I thank you for bringing us all here safely. Uh, Father, would you speak through, uh, through me? Uh, would you encounter us with your word? Uh, and would you open our hearts to receive it? And as we do that, would it, would, will your word humble in us and uh, it teach us how to follow you better and how to love you better, Father? Um, let uh, everything I say be uh, from you and that it will help others. I thank you, Father. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as I said earlier, um, we're going to continue in, verse, in chapter 21. In but we're going to start in verse 23. Graham already touched the first half of chapter 21. And I would like to go, us, go, to go back a little bit just, to, just very briefly so that we can see what the context was. So we can refresh our memories. So Graham took us through the triumphal entry of Jesus in Jerusalem. Uh, where we saw that he was received with palms and with chanting. And the people were saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who... Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Does anyone remember what Hosanna means? No. <laughs> I'm kidding. Good job, Graham. <laughs> it is, please save us. Um, 
and we know that the only one who has authority to save is God. So, in a way, they were chanting that Jesus was God. Uh, we also see in chapter 11, in, sorry, in verse 11, that they recognize the authority of Jesus as a prophet. Um, so, they do all these things, and they recognize Jesus as God, and recognize his authority uh, as a prophet. After this part, Graham showed us how Jesus goes to the temple and overturns the tables of the money, of the money changers and the seats of the ones who sold pigeons. Uh, right after that, he heals the lame and the blind who come to the temple. Um, and with that, he shows his authority over the temple and he shows his authority over the diseases for the, of the people that, come, that came to the temple to be healed. And lastly, Graham talked about how Jesus curses the fig tree. This uh, famous um, passage in the Bible where Jesus just makes a fig tree wither. Um, and that just shows his authority over creation. Now, some of you might have already noticed, not, noticed that I use the word authority several times. Um, to just, talk, just to tell you what Graham preached uh, last Sunday. And the reason why is because we're going to see the authority of Jesus and God the Father, challenge in the next half of the chapter. So let us read our text for the day. Again, we're in verse, 20, we're in, uh, verse 23, so I'm going to read for all of us. Um, the authority of Jesus' challenge. And when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, by, by, what, authority and, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question, and if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, from where did it come? From heaven or from men? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we're afraid that the crowd, for, we're afraid of the crowd, for they all, for they all hold that John was a prophet. And I, and was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Then he continues on to two parables, the parable of the two sons. Verse 28, what do you think? A man, who two, a man, a man had two sons, and he sent the first and, and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterwards he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of the father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, truly I said to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to, the, came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterwards change your minds and believed him. Then he continues on the parable of the two tenants, of the tenants, sorry, in verse, 20, in verse 33. Here another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a, a wine presser in it and built a tower and listed two tenants and went, and went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruits. And the tenants took his servants, beat one up, killed the other one, and stoned another. Again, he sent, another, he sent other servants more than the first time, and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son, saying, they will respect my son. 
But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the, the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits, the fruits in their seasons. And Jesus said to them, Have you, have you, ever, have you never heard? Have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builder rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when he falls onto, an, onto on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, they perceived that he was speaking about them. So that's the end of our chapter. Um, and I know there is a lot to unpack. I know it was long, but just please stick with me. We're just going to go through all of it. Um, so we see that the, at the beginning of our text, Jesus' authority is challenged by the chief priests and the elders of the temple while he was teaching in verse 23. It would be safe to assume that the chief priests and the elders of the people asked, asked him this question. Only because he was teaching in the synagogue, not only because he was teaching in the synagogue, but also for what had happened before um, in the first half of the, ch of the chapter. They wanted to know by what authority he performed these things and who gave him the authority to do these things. Their questions came from a place of unbelief against the overwhelming evidence that it was in front of them and things that had happened in the past in previous chapters. Um, they had already rejected the first revelation from God that came in the Torah and many of the prophets. Uh, so in the past, uh, when the Lord sent them. So it was not unexpected that they rejected and doubted Jesus too. Jesus, Jesus chose to answer their question by posing another question um, himself in verse 24. Jesus brings up John the Baptist into the picture and asks them the same questions that they had asked him, but in a slightly different way. The baptisms of John, who were, who, where, where did he come from? From heaven or from or man? So Jesus asked this question exactly, exactly like the elders and the chief priests, but this was formulated in a different way to uncover their hearts. When we see in, what we see in, in verse 25 and verse 26 is the truth of these, of these leaders' hearts. Their, their fear of men and not of God. They chose not to humble themselves and look right in front of men, in men's eyes, because they liked to appear as so holy and devoted while, they, while their hearts were nowhere near God. We see their thought process in chapter 26. They did not, they did not know the answer uh, to the question because they based their lives in what men say and their thoughts about what, and their thoughts as well, but not about God. So, church, are we fearing, who are we fearing today? Are we fearing men or are we fearing God? Are we like the Pharisees and we want to please ourselves or we want to please the people around us or do we want to please God? Do we want to do what men want or do we want to do what God wants us to do? Just keep thinking about this question because it will be important for the next part. So just keep it with you. After this part, Jesus tell, 
tells them that he was not going to answer their question. He tells, and then he goes into the parable. He goes on into a parable to just go deeper into, into, into whose they are act, into whose will they're actually following. The parable of the two sons. In this parable, we see that the master of a vineyard gave their two sons a command to work on the field, but only one of them goes out into the field and works. The first one said that he will go. Uh, he would not go out into the field, but later he changed his mind and went. When the second, but for the second one, he was asked. Uh, he said that he would go, but he never did. Then Jesus asked the following question. Who did, the, who did the will of the Father? And all of them said that the first one did. And Jesus answered them like this. Truly I said to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom, the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterwards change your minds and believed him. So who is the master of the vineyard in this parable? Master of the vineyard is God. And who's the, fir and who's the first son? The first son are the tax collectors and the prostitutes. And who's the second one? Is the chief priest and the elders of the people. Jesus faced the chief priests and the elders of the people who were through about who is obeying and doing the will of God. This shows us that the second son, the chief priests and the elders, said yes to God with their mouths, but not with their actions. They followed the Torah and recited prayers, but their actions did not match what they were preaching. Now, the chief priests and the elders were probably the people that followed the commands of God the best in that time. They would study the Torah and they would study the Torah day and night. They would make sure that they were always following the rules. They would make sure that they were always looking holy um, and proper in front of everyone on the street. However, they were so into pleasing themselves and pleasing others that, um, by performing so well that they forgot to please God and see the message that God had sent with John the Baptist and Jesus. Now, some of us could be just them, and we can't see it. Many of us have been following God for a long time. We read our Bibles day and night. We pray day and night. And we call ourselves Christians. But as Graham said last Sunday, are we producing fruits or do we just look pretty from far away? When people get close, are we doing God's will or are we looking just nice on the outside but not in the inside? To that, Jesus said that the prostitutes and the tax collectors believed in the message of John the Baptist and it made them go into heaven before the chief priests and the Pharisees. Now, don't be mistaken. Not because we read our Bibles, not because we pray day, or night, day and night, not because we call ourselves Christian, Christians, not because we have followed God for a long time, means that we have the right to go to heaven. Some, someone who has barely prayed Someone who has barely read the Bible, that hasn't followed Jesus for a long time, can go before to heaven because they believe in the weight of righteousness. And they change their minds and turn their lives around just like the first son did in the parable. But what is, the, what is that weight of righteousness? In Mark 1.4, it says, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of our, of our sins, of the sins. 
It is the message of repentance that John the Baptist proclaimed in the wilderness that Jesus also took around wherever he went in his ministry. Tax collectors and prostitutes and Gentiles in general were listening to this message and believed it. They put their trust in it. They recognized their need for God, for, for God's help to be able to see their lives properly and see that they were in sin and they turned around. But not everyone changed their mind. In Isaiah 30, 15 says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and, and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you will not, you will have none of it. The second son, the chief priests and the Pharisees, did not want any of that. They refused to repent for how they were not being obedient to what God was telling them so clearly through John and Jesus. I was reading a commentary in this section, and I would like to share what I read in that commentary. It is quite astonishing to consider who is identified in this parable as the being obedient to the Father. A woman who wears slaves to sex had experienced a radical transformation by submitting to God through John's ministry. They were previously trying to find thirst and satisfaction in people, but now they found it in the living water that only comes from the king, king's cup. Men like Matthew were changed from greedy tax collectors to lavish givers. Jesus showed over and over miracles that only God could perform for the pardon of this, uh, after the pardon of the sins. And many Gentiles believe. Yet the, one who's, the ones who said so boastfully that they followed God did not believe. And this, is, and this is why Jesus finished this parable with, and even when you saw it, you did not afterwards change your minds and believe him. Church, let's remember what Luke 5, 31 to 32 says. Jesus answered the, the Pharisees, and he says, It's not the, heal, the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Jesus, called, Jesus came to call the sinners to repentance. And in Romans it says that none of us is truly righteous. Therefore, all of us are called sinners. All of us have fallen short from the, from the standards of God. So even when we're Christians, we have been called to live a life of constant repentance, which means surrendering to the authority of the, of the Son and obeying the Father. Only then our lives will match what we preach. Only then we will be safe. So Renaissance, are we living in a state of constant repentance and obedience to the Father? Or are we refusing to hear and see the message of repentance that is being proclaimed over and over? In this parable, Jesus tells his story, and now it just goes on into the, to the parable of the tenants. And Jesus, in this parable, tells the story of an owner of, an owner of a vineyard who puts his land to rent, to rent to tenants. And these tenants refuse to give the fruits uh, that his land produced um, after his servants arrive. When the owner sent his servants for the first time, they were beaten, killed, and stoned. The second time, the owner sent even more servants than the first time, but they did the same thing. The owner sent these, and they killed them. Now, the owner sent his son this time, thinking that the tenants will respect him, will respect the rightful, the, the, the owner to come uh, after 
he's dead. But they did not respect him and killed the son as well. They killed the son thinking that the land would be for them. But at last, the owner comes to the land. And Jesus asked another question to the religious leaders. Who's... Sorry. Okay. Before we look at the question, Jesus asked the religious leaders... Before we look at the question that Jesus asked the religious leaders, let's do the same thing that we did in the previous parable. We're going to identify the characters in this parable. Who is the owner of the vineyard? The owner of the vineyard is God. Who are the tenants? The tenants are the religious leaders. And who are the servants? The servants are the prophets who, who came and spoke in the name of the Lord. And lastly, who's the son? The son is Jesus. So Jesus tells this parable to show the religious leaders that they were acting in the same way that many in Israel had done through the Old Testament. God has sent many servants in his name to collect his fruits, the fruits that came from fearing the Lord, repenting and returning back to him and obeying him. However, they were so stumbled over and over. But not only that, they went against God's prophets. And for instance, of prophets who were beat, killed, and stoned, we have Jeremiah and Zechariah, two prophets who were victims of these tenants. In Jeremiah 35, 15, we see this. No, sorry. Jeremiah 5 to Jeremiah 5. It says... Again and again, I send all my servants, the prophets, to you. And they said, each of you must turn from your wicked ways and reform your actions. Do not follow other gods to serve them. Then you will be in the land I have given to you and your ancestors. But you have not paid attention or listened to me. Yes, the tenants were warned over and over, but they did not pay attention. Instead, they, instead, they listened to the voice, instead of listening to the voice proclaiming the message of God of repentance, they refused to obey God's correction. They refused to turn around from their sins. Now at last, the year, the year of the favor of the Lord has finally arrived with Jesus. The son was sent to the vineyard as a representative of the honor, and he, just like the prophets, was killed because he was looking for the same fruits that his father was looking for. The tenants did not submit to the authority of neither the father nor the son. The religious leaders did not want to submit to the son, Jesus, who came in the name of God, the father, and he was also going to be killed three days after now, Jesus' question. You can finally see what he asked them. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And the religious leaders responded, He will put those wretches to miserable debt and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give, them, who will, who will give the fruits that they're, of their season. There they admit their own guilt. They recognize their own they recognize it by their, on their own that by not submitting to the son's authority, the father, God, was going to deliver his just judgment onto them. But not only that, they also recognize that whoever submits to the authority of the son, it will be given the beaner, which was the kingdom of heaven. Now Jesus goes on and quotes Psalms 118, 
verse 22 to 23. He says, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done it, has done this, and is marvelous in our eyes. Saying like, these, saying like these that God's plan was for his son to be rejected, to become the cornerstone for new people who will receive the kingdom of heaven. And that, God, and that God's plan was marvelous in our eyes. Now Jesus concludes by saying, Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people producing its fruits. And the one who falls onto this stone will be broken into pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. He reveals the plans of the Father by saying that the kingdom of heaven will be taken away from those who think that do not need repentance, who think that they are righteous, who do not think that they need to submit to the authority of God to produce the fruit that it will only be given to those who repent and submit to the authority of him. This is seen in the new church as well of believers who are founded on him, the cornerstone. Also, Jesus warns that whoever, whoever rejects this truth will be broken into pieces and crushed. So, church, are we a church that is founded on the cornerstone? Are we a church that is founded on Jesus? Are we living in constant submission to the authority of God? Jesus came to bring the gift of repentance. A gift that is given to everyone and anyone who believes that the pardon of the sins is on the blood of Jesus that was shed on that cross. To whoever looks upon that cross and submits to its will will change his mind and heart which will make him a new creation so that they can produce the fruit that please the Father. To wrap up, if today you're not following Jesus, I invite you to hear these words that proclaim the message of repentance. Turn from death to life, from darkness to light, away from the Father to union with Him. Let Him show you the fruits that you can produce only by repenting and submitting to Him. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And for the ones who have followed Jesus for a while already, I urge you to keep living in repentance and submission to the power of Christ so that you may continue to produce his fruits and keep shining the light of Christ that is living in you so that others will be encouraged and they can come to repentance and turn to Jesus for salvation. If you have any question, you can come to any of us and we will be more than happy to answer any of the doubts that you may have. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl.gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.